0: I don't know about you, but I'm pretty excited for uh, tomorrow, and I love I, this time of year. I love everything that it's that's about, and and uh, I love burning stuff with hot wax too. I'll be careful with those candles when we come back a little bit here. But yeah, I just hope you're having a great season so far, and and I really tonight, I, my prayer is that you just know that Jesus is for you tonight. That you you would just know that you would know just how much He is for you. That that He would come as a baby. It's pretty awesome, and. And I pray that that as you leave tonight, you would just have hope. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you just came tonight in a great place, but maybe you came tonight just feeling heavy. And I pray, though, that, that, that tonight, the good news, the message of Christmas will just really ring through to your heart and, and bring you encouragement and hope and light. Um, I want to read the whole story tonight um, from the Bible The the Christmas story is found in a couple different places. There's a a mini version of the Christmas story in the book of Matthew. But uh, the writer Luke, who's kind of like an investigative reporter, he goes into all this detail on the whole Christmas story. And we're going to read from uh, the book of Luke, um, chapter 2, where it says this. It says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria And everyone went to their own town to register. So right off the bat, the Bible says this is a historical event. It happened at this point in time. We're not just reading a fairy tale tonight. This isn't just some made-up story. This is a historical event that happened in these days. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. Can you just picture it? Mary's contractions are getting a little bit closer together, a little stronger. Joseph's starting to sweat just a little bit more. The anxiety is building. There's no doctor in the room. It's just the two of them. The time has come for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. The darkness of of night just vanishes as this supernatural event unfolds. The Bible goes on to say that these shepherds in this moment of the sky lighting up. They're not experiencing joy and delight in this moment. The Bible says they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Not just the people of this day, but the people of this day as well. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be assigned to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great host of the—a a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel. We've been talking in this, this Christmas season as a church, we've been talking about encountering God. And, and a lot of times, if you've ever had an, a God encounter, you know, a lot of times you can't plan these. A lot of times they happen suddenly. That's what happens here in this story. Suddenly, the sky is filled with these, these angels They appear praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. I mean, just think about this for a second a baby lying in the manger. This baby being the the same being that spoke galaxies and universes and stars into being. This baby, God Almighty, in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd heard and seen, just like we're doing tonight, which were just as they had been told. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where there was a problem that needed fixing? And the only solution available to you was one that you were pretty sure wasn't going to work. You ever been in a situation this past week some of you woke up on uh, Tuesday morning for work, and uh, you cracked open the, the windows. You heard that there might be a little bit of white stuff coming in. You, cro- you cracked open the windows, and you realized you had a problem on your hands. It was white out, It was snow. It was blizzard. And the only solution that you had for the problem was the Toyota Prius sitting in your driveway. And you knew it probably wasn't going to work, but some of you bravely tried to do it anyways. Um, us men... Uh, we're pros at seeing a problem that needs fixing, and then um, coming up with a solution that isn't even close to being adequate. Um, it's that mentality that we have that there's, there's just nothing that a little duct tape won't solve. Duct tape for everything. You got a hole in that tire, let's just wrap some duct tape around it. Um, did the mirror on your car get knocked off? Hey, just apply a little duct tape, it'll be fine. Is the jet turbine falling off your, 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 your 747? Hey, a little duct tape will be just fine. And in case you think I'm exaggerating... No, guys will use duct tape for everything. You're like, oh, that's probably just a one-off situation. Actually, no, there's another picture. I, I was shocked preparing this sermon how many pictures I could find on the internet of jet turbines being fixed with duct tape. That's something you don't want to see at 40,000 feet up in the air is duct tape flying off the, the jet of, you know what I'm saying? But if you have a problem, it's, it's wise to have a solution that fits the size of the problem, Right? And this, this past week, um, some of you probably saw in the news, the president of Ukraine, uh, Vladimir Zelensky, he was visiting the White House. Um, he has a problem. His neighbor, Russia, has gone to war with Ukraine. It's a problem that is too big for, for them to solve by themselves. And uh, I've uh, been reading this book recently about some of the, the issues in, in, in uh, Europe that led to World War II and just some of the things that happened before that. And it, it's it's interesting to read how a lot of things could have been avoided if the right people had been sent to deal with the issue. But what would happen is there, there was there was some friction happening between these countries, and one country would send someone to, to resolve the tension in a different country, but the person that they sent was too far down the ladder, and the, the country would be insulted, talks would be closed off, and it wouldn't go anywhere. Well, whether you agree with how America's been involved with Ukraine or not, one thing that you got to admit is that They know the scale and the scope of the problem and they know the right guy to send to get the problem fixed. They're like, we're not going to send an assistant for an ambassador. We're not even going to send the ambassador or the vice president. No, we're going to send the president of Ukraine to America to help get the problem solved. He knows that, that it needs to be the highest ranking official and he shows up. The problem's too big for anybody else because big problems require... Big solutions. And this evening, there's, there's a, a three important truths that we're going to pull out of the Christmas story that I read earlier on. And, and the first one is this if God Himself had to come to save us, the problem must be bigger than we even realize. If God Himself had to show up, you know, most of us are honest enough to admit that we deal with problems on a daily basis. And when we do, we go looking for help, right? Um, if you got some problems, you're gonna maybe go try to find a good therapist. Uh, maybe you're gonna try to find a good accountant. Uh, maybe you got some problems. You're like, okay, I just got to start showing up at a church service a little bit more. Um, I got some problems. Maybe I just need to switch up my friend group a little bit. And 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 we, if we have problems, we go out trying to solve them. And God says, no, your brokenness runs much deeper than all of that. In fact, the brokenness, the heart of the problem, is so deep that you can't fix it on your own you can't fix it the heart of the problem actually is this word that we don't like to talk about a lot in the church or anywhere really sin um, script, uh, scripture says in romans 3:23 that all of us every single one of this in this, of us in this room have sinned sin by the way is not what happens when you break the traditions of your christian upbringing sin is what happens when you say okay god if this is your way, I'm not going to go that way. I'm going to go my way instead. Um, Frank Sinatra. had the best definition of sin ever. I did it my way. It's me. It's however I want to do it. And why is it such a big problem? Well, it's a problem because according to God's word, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Righteousness is the opposite of sin. Right living is living God's way. That's the foundation of His throne. And both righteousness and justice are who God is. We talk a lot about how God is love. And yes, God is absolutely, He is love. But God, who is all-powerful, is also perfectly just. And His way is right every single time. Which, by the way, is highly offensive to our 21st century minds that are all about accepting everybody based on whatever they come up with as their truth. God comes along and says, no, I am truth. I am the way. I am the life. Every other truth, every other way, every other road to life is wrong, God says. And it's, it's not just wrong. God, His word goes on to say that it's actually eternally damnable act of God. It's an eternally damnable act to a God whose holiness, whose justice, whose righteousness are comparable to an all-consuming fire. In Romans chapter 1, it describes how the wrath of God is being revealed against godlessness and wickedness. And if that's not bad enough, the Bible goes on to say that for the wages of sin is death, and not just death in the sense that we're all going to die one day. Yes, it's that, but it also includes all the brokenness, all the stuff that goes along with sin, that gnawing fear that says you're, 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 you're always going to be alone. That shame that attaches it to yourself when you fail. And it doesn't just say you fail, but it says you are a failure. That insatiable addiction, whether it's to people's approval or whether it's to money or, or to something to numb the pain. The heartache of broken relationships, depression, anxiety. It all stems from sin, whether directly or indirectly. And the sin is it's a really big problem. It destroys us even if we don't realize it. Timothy Keller, he's this author and pastor from New York City, and he he wrote a book about Christmas, and in it he said this. He said, Christmas, like God himself, is both wondrous and more threatening than we imagine. The world is a dark place, and we will never find our way or see reality unless Jesus is our light. You see, the world that we live in has a big problem. And that's that it's incredibly broken but the wonder and the great joy of christmas and you got to catch all this bad stuff because if you don't catch the bad stuff if you don't catch how big the problem is then christmas is just going to be a nice sentimental holiday where some baby shows up in a manger you got to understand the the bad news to understand just how good the good news is and 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 The world has a problem, but God has an answer to that problem. And God's answer to our brokenness is not to just stay off in heaven, wagging his fingers at broken humanity. No, his answer to our brokenness is his presence. And he doesn't send an ambassador. He doesn't send a a prophet. He doesn't send a powerful political leader. No, God enters the world himself. Is it any wonder that the angels declare to the shepherds, I bring you Good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. You know, our problem, which was so big that we could never fix it on our own, that, that problem had a solution. A Savior has come, Emmanuel. God with us has come into the world. And it's a God encounter of epic proportions. John described it like this. He said, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created. He comes to bring salvation through his death on the cross He comes to bring freedom. He comes to pour out his love on us, to bring peace, to bring hope, to bring joy, to bring life itself. That verse in Romans 6, 23, it starts off saying the wages of sin is death. But then it says the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And the blessings of this gift are for everyone. For everyone. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how messed up your life might be. It, in fact, you could make every mistake possible. You could live your entire life doing things your way, completely opposed to God's way. And yet, this gift of life is available to you. Only one thing is required. And Jesus says it like this He says, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. That's it. You just have to be thirsty. He doesn't say let anyone who has cleaned up their lives and gotten all their stuff together. He doesn't say anyone who's sort of, you know, already kind of maybe fits the mold of whatever a good Christian is. He doesn't say anyone who has only committed what people deem to be small sins. No, he says none of that. He says you just need to be thirsty. You just need to be thirsty. And and here's the thing with that requirement. Every single one of us in this room, Every single one of us watching online qualifies. We all qualify. Well, wait a second, Rich. I don't know if I'm thirsty for Jesus tonight. You know, he didn't didn't say let anyone who is thirsty for me. He just said let anyone who is thirsty. And all of us are thirsty for what he came to bring, whether you realize it or not. You know, think about it. Do you long for peace? I don't know anybody that doesn't long for peace. I don't know anybody that's just like, no, I want to have a restless life. You know, I just want my soul to be like tension and anxiousness. I, I just want that. I just want to, I want to have lots of fear about whatever is coming down the pike. You long for peace. Do, do you, do you not want to have freedom from guilt and shame? You know, don't you thirst to have your soul filled with joy, happiness, to, to know that you are unconditionally loved and accepted despite your flaws and failures think about it who of us does not long to be loved in that way every single one of us thirsts for the life that he brings the only question that needs to be answered is will we go to him to have that thirst quenched or will we go looking someplace else that's the only question and and here's where a lot of people actually make make a big mistake Instead of having their thirst quenched by Jesus, they go looking to, you know, all the stuff of the world. But a lot of people go, okay, yeah, I tried the stuff of the world, but instead what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to have that thirst quenched by religion. And they go looking to have the thirst quenched by religion. They think, okay, if I just start showing up at church each week, then I'll have peace. If I just stop saying those bad words... Then, then, then maybe then I'll experience love. If I just start reading my Bible every day, and if I, if I just start saying a few more prayers every day, then I'll be accepted. If I just start serving more, if I find my spot in a church somewhere, and I just start giving and serving, then, 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 then I'll, I'll be accepted. Jesus did not say, let anyone who is thirsty begin following this long list of rules and guidelines that I have. He didn't say that. No, he said, let anyone who is thirsty go where? He said, let anybody who is thirsty come to me. You know, when I was a teenager, my dad, um, I kind of grew up in, in, in the sticks up that direction up, up in Canada. And uh, my dad's always been a big hunter, mostly deer, but sometimes rabbits. And one of the things that we always enjoyed um, when it came to the hunting season was an early snowfall. So like what's happening right now? We'd just be absolutely thrilled about having a, a snowfall. This isn't really exactly early, but... But an early snowfall, like late, late fall, early early winter was just awesome for us because now you had the advantage that you could track your, your game, whatever you're after, you could track it a little better because, you know, snow and footprints, you just kind of see where everybody's been, right? You, you could see whether that was a big deer year after or a little one. You could see if that deer was traveling uh, alone or with others. You could see even um, where it had bedded down. You could see if it would, had been there like in the last five minutes, you know, warm droppings or whatever, a little steam, um, or you could see if it wasn't like hours old. You know, you, the, the snow, it gave you an advantage, right, when it, when it came to, to tracking your, your animal. But you didn't study the signs because you were interested in learning about the weight of your game or the patterns or the size of the animal. The sign is there simply to point you in the direction of the animal that you are chasing. And showing up to church is good. Doing all the stuff that is in God's word is good. Serving others is good. Reading your Bible, all that stuff, being in community is good. But doing all of this, hoping that it will quench your thirst, is like studying the tracks. They aren't the prize. You don't want the tracks. You want the deer. In the same way you don't want to study the sign of Jesus, you want Jesus. That's why he says, let anybody who thirsts come to me. Jesus is the prize You need an encounter with Him because you can't fix the problem of sin. You cannot fix the problem of sin in everything that goes along with it on your own. You just cannot. Timothy Keller, he went on in this, this book. It's called Hidden Christmas, a great book to read. But um, he went on in this book to explain how the message of Christmas is, it's actually the complete opposite of the optimistic thinker who says, if I just try harder, I can fix it myself this by the way is how the world approaches problems we've got a lot of problems in our world we got war going on we've got poverty i mean we got some pretty big big scale problems but the world's thinking is if If we just try harder, if we just have more technology, if we just have better education, more medicine, on and on, and these things can be good things, but but the thinking is if we just try harder, we can fix all the problems ourselves. But the Christmas message is that you and I are so messed up, so broken that God had to come and be born as a baby. That's saying a lot. And the only way that we receive this is by inviting Jesus into our lives. By putting our faith and trust in him and choosing to follow him on a daily basis, not following the tracks, but but by living in and staying connected to him. The Bible calls it abiding in the vine. You're like a branch that's connected to the vine. You're, a, you're in him. We have a big problem. We are broken. But the good news is that God's answer to that problem is his presence. He has come to save. He's come to save. There's one more truth that that we see in this Christmas story that's just too important for us to skip over. And it's actually the truth that one of the things that we see in the life of Mary, you know, the one, she's, she is called to birth the Savior of the world, God Almighty, she's called to birth Him into this world. And, and here's the third truth. In the same way that God, God's answer to our brokenness is His presence, God's answer to our broken world Is His presence in you. It's His presence living in you. And when you encounter God, yes, it's for you. Yes, He wants to bring you freedom. Yes, He is for you. Yes, He loves you. He wants to just just dump blessing upon blessing upon blessing on you. That is the good, gracious, awesome God that we have. But His blessing is not just for you. The encounter with God is it's so that you can be a blessing to others as well. You know, we see this in Mary. She's, she's this ordinary teenage girl. She's living in some small backwater town. Um, 2,000 people or so, people, uh, scholars think. She's a nobody. She has like 21 followers on her Instagram feed, and it's all like family and aunts and uncles. Nobody knows who Mary is at all. But despite her ordinariness... God is birthed into our world through her. It's a great picture. It's a great picture. And to this day, God works the same way. He is birthed, so to speak, into our world. Just think about your world for a second. Think about your family. Think about the people that you go to school with, whether it's high school or elementary school. Think about your friends. Think about the people that you work with. Think about the people that you you pass in the coffee shop or the grocery store. That's your world. Wherever you find yourself, that that is your world. And God is birthed into that world through you. Through you. It's, it's, It's amazing. The world has a problem that is is just too big to fix on its own. And so God comes along and says, hey, I'm going to birth myself. I'm going to show up. I'm going to be light in your world through you. For the follower of Jesus, the true spirit of Christmas is so much bigger than just well wishes and, and all that fun magical stuff that I just think is so awesome. It's so much bigger than that. Bigger than getting gifts. Christmas is the celebration of Jesus encountering the world with his presence to bring light and life. Christmas is also a reminder how we are called to do the same. We're called to be different. We're called to carry the wonder and the beauty of Jesus, the light and life of Jesus to the world around us. Author J.I. Packer, he says it like this. He says, The Christmas spirit is the spirit of those who, like their master, live their whole lives on the principle of making themselves poor, spending and being spent to enrich their fellow humans, giving time, Trouble, care, and concern to do good to others, and not just their own friends, but in whatever way there seems need. So good. Christmas, as you can see, just looking around this room today, is a season of lights. There's lots of lights. Um, you know, some of you in the room, you just about broke your neck this Christmas putting up lights on the house, but you got those lights up, and there's just there's lights everywhere. There's there's bows that are done with lights Christmas lights candle lights there's 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 lights everywhere lots of lights and you know part of that tradition of lights I don't know if you know this but part of the reason why there's so many lights is because Christmas takes place at the darkest time of the year right this last week winter solstice December 21st um, the darkest day for the longest the longest amount of darkest darkness in the entire calendar year right and so because Christmas is in this dark season there's just people have more lights But there's another reason for the lights. And it's a reminder that the light of the world has come. That he ascended to heaven, leaving you and I the job of being light in a dark world. A world whose problem is so big that it can't fix it on its own. They need the Savior who was born on Christmas Day. Jesus said it so so clear. He said, I am the light of the world. He also said That we, as in you and me, we are the light of the world. He compared us to a city on a hill. A city on a hill. If you've ever driven past a city on a hill at night, you see it a long ways away because there's so much light. In fact, when you leave here today, if you were to look north, you're going to see the clouds are, are all lit up because of the Vancouver lights that are shining so brightly. You cannot miss a city because there's, there's so much light. And Jesus said that, that we are called to do that as well. And I encourage you tonight, even in our closing moments here, just to have a moment between you and the Holy Spirit and just ask the question, God, how can... How can I share your light in this world that's so dark? God, how can I be a light? Is there something that you want me to do differently? God, is that that nudge I've been feeling in this area, has that been you? And how do you want me again making some steps to do that? But God, how can I live as a light in the world around me? We're going to, in just a couple minutes... We're going to end our time together by singing a couple songs and lighting up some candles. But before I do that, I just would love to to pray for us. If we could just all bow our heads. Heavenly Father, you are so good. Lord, I just want to thank you tonight for your your simple invitation, God, to all of us. Let all who are thirsty come to me. And God, I pray, Lord, that, that in this moment, Lord... All of us would be able to have an honest moment, God, about our thirst. Lord, I know that God, there's there are some listening right now who came tonight thirsty for peace. They just want peace so bad. The world is their world is turmoil. God, maybe it's external circumstances going on, or maybe it's just every it's just their their soul, their mind is just anxious and fear. They just can't shake that. But God, you came to bring peace, not just in a a here now sense, but God, you came to bring peace that lasts forever. God, for the person here tonight that just, they're thirsting in the sense of God that they just want to be loved and accepted. God, I pray tonight that they hear the message that you are a God who, who loves us, God, unconditionally. Your word says that nothing, nothing, no height, depth, ma- nothing can separate from the love of God. And God, may they hear you calling them to themselves. And if you, just while your heads are bowed tonight and your eyes are closed, I wonder, is there anybody here tonight who's saying, okay, I, that's me. I am, I thirst. I'm so thirsty. And tonight, I realize that that thirst is, is only going to be quenched in Jesus. And tonight, I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus. I would just love to pray with you. If that's you, I just ask, put your hand up nice and high, just as like a step of faith saying, that is me. Awesome awesome, you can go ahead and put your hands down. Heavenly Father, I pray for these that put their hands up tonight. And God, I thank you that tonight is is about you speaking to them, calling them, inviting them to yourself. And Jesus, I pray, Lord, that tonight, Jesus, something even right now in this moment would be shifting inside their spirit as they they make that decision, God, to, to put their faith and trust in you and to simply believe that you are who you say you are. God, would you just pour out your life and your light and your transformation on them tonight, I pray. And Heavenly Father, I lift up the rest of us and got all of us in this room. And I, I pray, Jesus, that Lord, you would help all of us, God. Lord, our world so desperately needs the life and the light that you alone can bring. God, if you had to come yourself, God Almighty, God, the problem must be a lot bigger than we even realize. God, our world is so broken. And God, I pray that you would help all of us, God, to have the faith, to have the courage, to have the love, to have the compassion, God, to be your light, God, in whatever our world looks like. Help us, I pray. And Jesus, I just want to also, God, just end tonight, God, with a blessing. God, I pray that your blessing would be on all of us. God, may this Christmas season, God, whether it's, God, with a bunch of family and friends. God, maybe there's someone here tonight who doesn't even know who they're going to be with. But God, whatever the situation, God, I pray, Lord, that you would bless us with your presence. God, may we just know your face smiling on us with your grace and your mercy and your love and your compassion. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Amen.